0: Welcome to Journey to Joy. Life can feel meaningless. Even when our most desired wishes come true, we feel empty. Despite our comfortable lifestyles, we feel like there should be more. And even in our closest relationships, we're often hurt and disappointed. That pain is normal. And our instinct may be to deny it and keep on, or to distract ourselves and avoid feeling it or dwelling on it. But for a few minutes, let's be real and really feel that pain and really try to understand it. We've been let down. Maybe we woke up and realized that we worked our whole lives only to ask, what was it all for? Or we've lost ourselves in pleasure after pleasure only to have ever-increasing craving for ever-decreasing gratification. And in our relationships, sometimes the most fulfilling ones, we've been hurt or we've risked ourselves only to be rejected. No wonder we want to act in a way that preserves our own comfort and keeps us from pain. Instead of loving others, we're committed to protecting ourselves. We throw up walls of anger or of withdrawal or even of humor and of competence, and that preserves us from feeling any more pain in relationships. We give other people what they want, the right words and the right actions, in order to get from them what we need, the respect and love that we crave. But we feel like we deserve it. We're justified in whatever eases the pain, and we're committed to the self-protection, the seeking of comfort and avoidance of pain, and we won't abandon that commitment to love God and to love other people. More deeply, in our hearts, we're harboring pride and selfishness. Yes, it seems to be just about the needs that we deserve, but really it's between us and God. Our attitudes and our feelings reflect a stance toward God. For example, when we fear, we're saying, God, I don't believe you, or God, I deserve something other than what you promised. Or, when we feel anger, anger about something that's done to us and not something that's against God's glory or against injustice, our anger is questioning and testing God. We're saying, God, are you really here? If so, you can't be good because of this. I deserve better. In fact, I want to be God. Our anger reflects something that we prize above God whether it be our respect, our competence, our comfort, we're holding onto that as something that we deserve and we demand. Or when we complain or feel sorry for ourselves, we're making a judgment about what's right and we're saying that we deserve better from God. When we don't love others, we're saying, well, God isn't good to me, so I don't have to be good to them. I'm going to treat other people the way I've been treated. These attitudes reflect unmet needs, which really are demands that we have. It's what we think we deserve that we haven't received. And if we haven't gotten it, then God must not be good because we deserve better. And underneath those attitudes, there's a lack of faith. We don't believe that God will deliver what he promises, and we don't think that those promises are what's best for us. We're deciding that we know what's best for us, and we should be the ruler of our lives, not God. So do you see that underneath all of these behaviors and these attitudes, There's a heart that not only distrusts God, but is against God. We're saying that we want to be God rather than trust and obey God, and in that we're wrongly elevating ourselves above God. If we have the humility to acknowledge that, then we have a choice. We can either continue on in our self-protection and in the ways that we search for meaning on our own terms, but we always come up empty or we can realize our helplessness and we can repent. We can come to God and acknowledge the pride and the audacity that we've had to question him. God, the creator of the universe who's omnipotent, who's loving and just and merciful, and who's good and worthy of our trust. Who are we to decide that we deserve better from him and that we know what's best for us? we can confess the ways in which we've pursued our own comfort and avoided pain and refuse to let those go for God and for other people. And thankfully, it doesn't stop at our realization and our confession. Instead, God so graciously gives us life and an answer and forgiveness through Jesus, and we can freely receive and accept his love and his comfort, but it requires a deep humility It requires humility to let go of the ways that we fill our longing with what we think is best and instead to say to God, you know what is best. It requires humility to demand nothing, to trust God, instead of demanding from Him what we think we deserve. It requires humility not to be our own judge and to decide whether or not we're worthy of forgiveness but instead to realize that we've deserved death but that Christ has paid that penalty and set us free. It requires humility to obey God by loving Him and loving other people because it's acting on the belief that God is good and is powerful and knows what is best for us and is loving. When we choose to move toward others in love, when our desire to love other people outweighs our desire to be loved by them, then we're acting by faith in who he is and what he has promised. And in that faith, that humility, that obedience, there is freedom, comfort, and joy. We find freedom in loving without expecting love in return. We find comfort in knowing Jesus and in knowing that we belong to him and not to ourselves. And we find joy, hope for a future joy where we can finally be with Jesus, and present joy that's realized by participating in God's love, by loving others in the way that Christ loved us. That doesn't mean our pain goes away, but when we look to Jesus and nothing and no one else, then we have a joy that so outweighs any pain. And so, in Christ, life doesn't feel empty. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Annie Shia, and this is Journey to Joy.